everyone. Welcome again to Vinylism. I'm your host, Adam Winchell. And I've got uh, Kima with me. How you doing, Hello. Kima? Good. Part two today. Part two? Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a brand new show. Brand new. Getting together to record. Sure. Uh, and Kenny's with us as well. What's going on, Kenny? Yo, yo. What's up, guys? Fine Sunday afternoon. We're recording this. And um, yeah, um, we're going to talk Tool again. Our last Tool show is pretty popular. And that was back a long time ago before this album even came out. That was like summer of 2019. Man, things were a lot different back then. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, quite a bit's happened. I remember then like there it first came out where there was a scramble of like, oh, they're going to sell out of the CDs. You got to get the CD. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna have the special CD with the built-in like video playing deal on it, which was pretty cool. But oh, <laughs> to recap real quick, like it had been 13 years. Okay, like for everyone that doesn't remember, between albums it had been 13 years, and it was a big deal. It finally came out August of 2019, right? Yep. And uh, yes, the CD had a built-in little video player, which is pretty cool. But I have that packed away somewhere. I haven't seen it in a while. I wonder. Needs charged up. Yeah. That was neat though. And they would do something interesting for their art. But here we are, like over well over two years later. And everybody was like, Where's the vinyl? Where's the vinyl? Everyone was so upset. And well, the vinyl finally came out. And which is kind of interesting because the first set was a five LP set with uh etchings on the back of each disc, which I think we all bought that. And then Kimo, you triple dipped. You triple or quadruple dipped, but the the three LP release came out after that. Here yeah. So oh boy. We'll get into all that, but uh, yeah, those are the formats so far. And uh, yeah, I was listening to this again today. I was listening on headphones. It sounds pretty superb on headphones, I have to say, especially track one. Do you guys just want to get into it? I have to say real quick that I didn't have any problems with my discs, like right out of the packaging. I did notice a little noise on record three today that I hadn't noticed before, but for the most part, they're completely quiet. I didn't wash them. I didn't do anything special. I might've wiped them down with a brush before anti-static brush, but no yeah. wet cleaning. Really I, yeah, I nice. haven't noticed any problems with mine either. So that's always, it's always a bonus. Cause I've had a couple, well, I've had at least one recent disc that I got that has an etching on one side. And, uh, I've got, there's some clicks and pops and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't know if the etching affected it, but I had a recent disc that I got from another band where there I, may have been an issue, but with these ones all being the five LP all being etched on each one so far, I haven't, I haven't noticed any issues with mine. So a lot of complaints I read nice. were, yeah, a lot of complaints I read were about, uh, something called dishing, where I guess when there's an etching on one side and it kind of makes it like a dish on the other side makes like kind of warps and concave. Yeah. Yeah. I was really worried hearing all this, but luckily my, well, I was worried flawless. getting mine delivered recently in like almost triple digit heat here. Mm. SoCal, you know, I was like, I sure hope this thing shows up while I'm home. So it's not sitting outside on the doorstep baking in the sun in the direct sunlight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, just for fun real quick. What were some of our uh, alternate names for this? We were texting. Fear binoculars. Fear binoculars was mine. Fear incontinence. <laughs> Kimo, did you have another one? I forget. Fear Binon- Bianca or something. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> that was just for fun. We were just having fun. So no one has to freak out. But uh, it's all in good fun. But yeah, um, you know, whole other thing was that the digital had the segues, the little three uh, segue tracks um the cd did not yeah. right cd didn't have any of the segue tracks yeah this there was well, vinyl, vinyl release yeah. the five lp has two but not all three it just kind of bugged me but hey you know limitations man i you mean know, they could have uh, fit I mean, it i see a lot of <laughs> streaming you know is infinite you can just right. keep looping on forever but mm. you know. i think they could have fit all three on the five lp pressing just a just a guess but Maybe not the way it was structured. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, cause I definitely, 
some of the couple of the discs, there's it looks like there's some extra runtime on there. Yeah. Since they're since they're breaking it out to be one side of the disc and etched on the other, mm-hmm. maybe could have. So, I don't, but, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Yeah, I mean it's it is what it is, right? Um, Fear Inoculum on vinyl. So, first track, the title track. I remember when I first heard this before the album came out. It's like, huh, it's pretty good. It kind of reminded me of like Lateralis and some of the stuff they'd already done. The more I heard it, the more I was like, it's a really intriguing song. There's a lot of stuff going on. One thing I caught today, just not to take over the, the pod here, but um, listening on headphones, Danny's drum triggers or some of the percussive stuff he's doing. I couldn't really hear it just on the speakers before. I was just kind of standing out to me today. I was picking out those little parts that, you know, really cool. It adds a little something like kind of atmospheric to the tracks, what he's doing. I hadn't caught that before. You guys notice that? Um, no, I can't say that I had. Can't say that I did. I mean, I noticed his drumming all over the place, of mm-hmm. course. But that the specific things you're referring to, I, I'm not sure. But you know, it's kind of drum Sometimes the yeah. uh, the experience, man, of strapping on the the headphones and and just you know getting in your own little world and listening to it, diving deep in there. I hadn't done that for a while until this. So it was actually this is the first time I heard this on headphones today. So I have not listened to it on headphones, but I, I think I will. What do you think of the title track? You know, uh, it's not my favorite it's beginning track of an album. Typically, I think, uh, well, not typically, but in the past, they've, they've written songs that were a lot more interesting i guess i don't know uh this one is weakest as in the starting out of an album and out of their entire repertoire i find like stink fist is a good start off for anima uh, intolerance vicarious we've got um the grudge so those start off strong it's a little mellower of the opening i think yeah, I think it sets the stage pretty well for what's to come. But uh, yeah, I can see that. There's some heavy parts in it, but yeah, fifty-eight point two yeah. million plays. No, that's not bad <laughs> for that track in particular. Yeah, that track. If you're not on Spotify. Alone. Yeah, yeah. Well, well it's probably because it's the opener. I I definitely wouldn't say it's the best track on the album, of course. But I uh, I think probably people click on start from the beginning on spotify so yeah. once they're not they're not uh there aren't any real uh singles on this album you know it was the first song to be introduced as a single single and it was also debuted on billboard as the longest song to be on the top top of the charts when it debuted i saw that 10 minute 21 second song first that's pretty cool I'd say that obviously the demand, the pent up demand for new tool stuff at the time was yeah, I mean, off the charts more than ever, you know, because of the way they could have released chocolate chip trip as the first single and it would have been number one. <laughs> but it really would have uh, thrown people <laughs> through a loop, huh? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, besides being, they released their entire uh, collection except for Saliva, which is an on streaming, streaming, yeah. yeah. Which I wish it were. Yeah. Um, I think didn't we see, when we saw them, Kimo, and Ken, you saw them too by yourself, but didn't they come out playing this title track? Is that the first thing? Mm-hmm. They introed yeah. with this song, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good opener. It's, you know, it slowly evolves. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy it every time I hear it. So, yeah, I, to your point, I can see it's a little, it's not as like in your face. Whereas if they'd open with like Tempest or something on this album, it would have been like true, that. but then they would run out of gas sooner right. if they opened with Tempest. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great track. There's a lot of really cool rhythmic stuff going on in here, like I said. So, Tons of, of rhythmic album. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, Danny Carey's drumming is, you know, it's awesome. It's you know, a lot of a lot of tribal tribal beats and you know interesting 
interesting time signatures and riffing and, and all, all that going on there. I feel like, you know, the, like maybe like the opening track kind of sums it up a little bit. And like, I, I feel like Maynard's vocals used to be more impactful on like previous albums, like, like, uh, on fear inoculum. I, I think like, uh, they're kind of, they kind of sound like an afterthought a little bit, you know, like, like the band was jamming and they've got all these, you know, epic riffs and these things going on. And then just kind of came in and figured, you know, maybe I, I could sing something here. I could sing something there, but didn't have, you know, the, the power and the impact that his vocals have had on, on other stuff that they put out in the past. Still interesting lyrics and themes and stuff, of course, for sure. But, you know, do kind of miss some of that, like, in your face, more, you know, strong vocals leading and carrying the song in, in uh, parts, which I think there isn't as much of here. I think it's like, like, this could have been released as like an instrumental album. And it would still be, mm, it'd still be pretty rad. I, I know what you're saying. I think there's part other parts where he does kind of drive the stuff, but I, I see what you're saying, you know, and obviously they do finish the music, I think completely before they give it off to him. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I recall so. reading that. I, I recall reading an article where Maynard was talking about that, 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 you know, I guess he's kind of, you know, you, you see with like all the different projects that he's, he's been in, but did I drop out? No, there's some like, uh, digital noise. You there, Adam? Oh, you froze. You there, Adam? Shoot. <laughs> uh oh, you guys hear me? Must, yeah, we can uh, hear you. Now we can. Yeah. Can you hear us? Your video, your video froze up. You guys hear me? There you go. Now yeah, you're live. Yeah. You're live. Sorry about that. Well, that's no problem. I'll find my internet acting up. <laughs> Where are we at? Um, Sorry, I missed the last part of what you said. Maynard's vocals. and Yeah, I mean, talking about um, how he uh, how the writing process works that um, they've been doing that, for the past you know, think, couple albums. Yeah, I think Maynard's, you know, he's 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 more. Um, I don't know. I'd say like impulsive, I guess, than, than some of the other, some of the other guys where he like, I think he doesn't want to like rewrite his lyrics over and over. He kind of like wants to like capture the moment and do his thing and move on to the next creation kind of. And so he likes them to kind of finish up the music and then he can come in and do his thing rather than come in and do his thing and then they start rewriting around it and go around and around in that kind of a process well it's kind of exactly what you said i read an interview with danny carey where he just said just that that it would be like oh we want to go back and change this chorus and maybe would be like so everything i just did was just for nothing then right you know like there's some hurt feelings about that in the past so yeah i think he would like to have the stuff as done as possible to put his part on so like i understand that yeah, he's in Arizona, so he, he takes a back seat on the writing process. He doesn't really lead with his voice, but the other guys just write the music and then he just layers it with his vocals afterwards. So how, much, how much of that is them getting these more epic song structures, you know, that are just like these long, drawn out, cinematic, like, you know, epic band things, you know, they're largely the ones coming up with that. I don't think Maynard's ever really written a lot of the music. No, but so I think, I think the magic vocal moments by Maynard are not prevalent on this album. Um, he's got some really brilliant moments on Lateralis, Anima, Undertow, but of course those are different albums. So, and they they progressed as a band. So, it's changed over the years. How about uh, go ahead, Kenny. I was gonna say, yeah, I mean, I feel like I remember reading stuff, uh, interviews and things, you know, from way back, you know, back in their early days and, and even like, you know, the band name tool, right. It's like, they wanted to, you know, create, like use this as a tool to convey a message. Right. And, and to, you know, really impact people, you know, and hit people, you know, upside the head with their music and the songs and stuff. And, uh, 
I think it, I mean, at least from this, you know, view that I'm looking at it from, like, I think Maynard likes to do that where he likes to, he likes to kind of feel the energy and capture, try to capture the moment and, and move on. He's not the kind of like dwell on it and rehash it over and over, you know, I mean, there's different types of artists out there, you know? That yeah, makes sense. Some people like to just, you know, splash their paint on the wall and move on to the next one. There's other people that will just spend Tinker. a year going over the minutia, <laughs> trying to get it just absolutely perfect, you know? It all worked different. Uh, speaking of the energy and kind of what you were just talking about, Numa, the next track, also shares disc one of the five LP that we're talking about right after the first track. What do you guys think of this one? I noticed one thing. Go ahead. Oh, um, it's the most played Spotify song on this album. It's 64.6 really? million plays. Wow. Surprising. Um, I noticed one thing listening today, which is the nice intro by Adam, just playing the riff solo and i can hear uh it's either his phase or flange pedal i'm not quite sure what the effect is you can kind of hear it breathing in the background that's how like intimate the recording is i thought it was really cool i mean nice really is a really nice well-recorded record um i've heard some people say otherwise but i mean i don't think there's any denying that it's a pretty top-notch recording for them evil joe barisi which yeah. I believe they recorded to analog tape and dumped something to Pro Tools probably for editing, but I guess they started out in the analog realm. Yeah, I'm sure there was different stuff flying in and out. But mm. What do you guys think about the, the etching on the back of this first disc? Um, is that I supposed got, to be, is that like kind of like a creepy face? face? Like a, the, yeah, the face of the guy? Of um, <laughs> I gotta be honest, some of these etchings, I can't really make out what's going on. And, and I haven't spent a lot of time looking at them. Yeah, yeah, I think like this one on the first on the first disc is a little, I don't know, maybe they could have done it could have been done a little bit better. It's like a smudge. Yeah, it almost <laughs> looks like it got you know just scratched. You have to kind of look at it just the right way, and then you're oh, like, yeah. oh, okay, I kind of see, kind of see the face coming out of the mist. Honestly, I've never been a huge, huge fan of etchings on, on the flip sides of albums, but you know. <laughs> It's, it is a great package. I, don't get me wrong. This whole thing, the five LP set. Yeah. The um, book, the photo album, you know, kind of thing. Uh, really nice. Pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's the box, everything here. I was pretty impressed, but uh, I think we should get to that a little later, but on, on Numa, another thing I wrote, I jotted down for myself today was it's easy to take for granted. A lot of the poly, polyrhythmic stuff Danny does, but especially the stuff he does middle of the song here. I wrote down what is the time signature. I'm so terrible at counting this crap out, but uh, whatever you're doing is super interesting because it's all about these counterpoints of of rhythms, and they've really like cornered that in their sound in an impressive way. A lot of that's I think driven by Danny. Um, oh, it's so cool. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I mean it's it's good stuff, man. I don't know. I I, I haven't tried to like sit down and count it or do anything like that. I find like sometimes I, uh, when I, there's certain music that I listen to, like I definitely like some mathy rock bands and things like that. But if I try to figure out what the tempos are weird things that they're doing, like it kind of takes away from the music to just yeah, kind it's, of, it's fun, right? <laughs> just kind of appreciate it. Right. Cause then it's like, it comes to me, it comes down to memory then if you can really lock into like, okay, then I got to count one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two, three. And like start getting stuck into that loop. It kind of becomes like mechanical in a way, whereas you can just listen to it flow and whatever that off signature is, it just works. You know, if it works, it's musical and it feels great. And if, when it's not, then it just sounds wanky, you know, or awkward. There's, yeah. There's bands that are like that, where I'm just like, ah, whatever, you know, it just sounds like they're kind of jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thoughts on the rhythms? Complex. I haven't even thought about counting it. I just enjoy it. Right. I'm like you. I mean, I don't think at this point they can do anything that's not complex in a weird way, but that's the music they want to make, you know? So it's kind of what they're doing. Another thing I noted on this, on Numa is uh, Maynard's spirituality, you know, and how that's evolved from their really early angry stuff, you know? I think when he sings like, we are all, all one, you know, one breath, one word. And it's, like he's you know, mellowing. 
He's he's more mellow though, really. He is, I guess. <laughs> Getting he's old. Screaming. He's not screaming in your he's face. Drink, like... Drinking wine in Arizona and chilling out, you know. It's a far cry from shoot you in the effing head from jerk off. That? Jerk off. I mean, you know. Well, yeah, or listening to what we might talk about later, like opiate, mm. you know. Well, I mean, they've evolved, you know. I mean, definitely musically, thematically. Uh it's interesting. I just noticed that like yeah. It doesn't I mean, offend do they, me. It's like it's cool. I mean, we know Maynard writes the the lyrics, but do they really? Do they even um, note like kind of who who inspires any of the other stuff? You know, or have you heard him talk about any of that? As far as like, you know, Adam brought in this riff, or you know, those kind of things. I don't know if I've ever heard him get that deep into the writing process. Like, I'm, I would think a lot of it's jamming, but I don't know, Kimo, do you know? Not really. I mean, I just remember when my buddy told me that when particularly lateralis, Adam was asking Maynard to change some of the lyrics, according to my buddy who worked for Lyric and Management under Ted Gardner, saying that some of the lyrics were about Adam. Mm. So it's like, hey man, don't sing about me. You got to <laughs> change the lyrics. And yeah, I won't go into it further, but uh, yeah, there are some heated moments where it got pretty serious. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Jermaine works a lot of stuff out through the lyrics of stuff. But that was when Adam was firing like accountants, lawyers, and people that worked for them that were doing good for them. But I guess they fired Ted Gardner at the time and I'm not sure if he was embezzling money, but um, it was possible. But I remember hearing Danny Carey talking to Ted and with tears rolling down his face, like, we have to fire you. So. I'm just like thinking about stuff like, has Adam Jones been involved in like any other musical projects outside of Tool? I don't really hear him coming up like we know Maynard, right? And obviously, uh, I mean, Adam's Danny, contributed. Danny's been in a bunch of, you know, different bands and different projects. Pygmy Love of- Circus and the Seagulls. I forget what the Seagull, the Legend of the Seagull Men, or yeah. <laughs> Didn't Adam do something for Steven Seagull Men? <laughs> Adam do something for Gibson that was instrumental that had like this really epic video. That was with the band, right? Was it with Tool? Without no. Maynard. Without no. Maynard. No, it was just Adam? Wasn't it? Well, well no, I think I mean, it was Adam and Danny. It was the band, Justin, but it was yeah. for the launch of his guitar line or something. I yeah. Thought, something like that. But... Might have been something that they wrote during the Fear Knockdown tapes. I, I, mean, I think Adam's contribution otherwise is just all the artwork. And, I mean, definitely like, you know, it's all in the, in the, of all of that and the package and the experience. So I think Adam can guessed it on other people's music like melvin's i think mm-hmm. yeah i forget which song it is but uh divorce or something like that by melvin's i forget which album but and we saw him come out and play with palms remember Chino's yeah band palms that was pretty cool that was awesome that was great that was a good show numa great track really like it uh it's really hard in all the right ways uh, another one is invincible which has really grown on me the more I listen to it. Uh, I love the opening interlocking guitar riff he's doing. I think it's so cool. Danny wails on this song. Yeah. <laughs> he does some pretty fast builds. Yeah, it's just amazing just what he's doing. Anyway, what do you think of this one? Yeah, it's uh it's yeah, it's a good track, man. There's definitely there's definitely uh you know, some ripping drums and, and stuff. I mean, it's, uh, you know, very hypnotic tune at times. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't think of what else, uh, sticks out to me somewhat, you know, distinctly from that one, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, Danny Carey's drumming is definitely a highlight on, on the whole album, you know, just lis- listening to him jam and the way they're all like, locking into each other at times and some of the little off things that are kind of like going out and coming back in together. It's good stuff. 
43.5 million songs behind uh fear inoculum in terms of plays online or something yeah on spotify so i was reading the lyrics to this one today pretty interesting like you know like maynard just talking about a warrior trying to remain relevant you know could be talking about their situation could not be but he name checks like caligula and ponce de leon who i had to look up was died of poisoning he's a spanish explorer to florida but uh died of being poisoned and just uh, these explorer warriors it's kind of what they are what tool are right it's like <laughs> frontiermen yeah yeah one way to put it unless it's like all a metaphor for something else i don't know dug too deep into it this is the second song they debuted live before the album right before the album yeah it's while they were touring it's a really good one it's uh grown on me a lot i think this could have been another single yeah i was just looking up some notes for some things right you were talking about the interludes and some of the stuff before apparent apparently at least at one point in time danny carey wanted the, the whole album to be one long song wow <laughs> without and breaks maybe, or uh well maybe like some of the interlude stuff was kind of like things that came out of that concept that they would essentially they would just break be, it up you know but flowing right you know through each song to an interlude to the next song whatever is like one long hmm. one jam one long track been. That could have been pretty awesome. <laughs> Obviously, they'd have to break it up like for the record somehow, you know? Like, yeah. Be, like breaks. Could have been interesting. Um, Invincible, I think, yeah. is a great track. Uh, more, the more and more I hear it, the more I like it. We were uh, talking next... about things recently, uh, a, a little while ago too, about the the theme of uh, the theme of the album, right? That like there's seven tracks and the number seven and stuff. And so like the rhythm stuff you were talking about that, I think, I think that they did use that like as a, as a theme and try to write riffs that were in that time Sounds. signatures, like sevens and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, whether consciously or not, you know, I'm like you, I can't start counting this stuff or I'll go crazy. I mean, especially <laughs> with Danny. Many, yeah. There's so many time signatures going on in some of this, but. It's really cool. I mean, they do Complex. it. They make it still sound pretty organic, I think, even when it gets really mathy. It's not, I don't find it boring like I do some bands. It's still yeah. musical, right? Interesting textures, yeah. Yeah. But uh, the next record starts with the Legion Inoculate. Is that what it's called? Legion yeah. Inoculate, yeah, the first segue on here. It's pretty trippy, kind of trippy soundscapey thing. And then descend, Descending goes right into Descending. Which I was, you know, raving about how great my record sounded, but I did notice a little bit of a noise on descending today. I guess you could call it inner groove decay. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's just a speck of dust that needs to be wiped off better. Mm. But uh didn't ruin anything too bad. But uh I don't really know what to make of this track. Um I don't know if it's like lyrically meant to be like a call to action against the ruin of the planet. Kind of hard for me to really focus on what the overall message or vibe of this one is it's musically pretty good this was the first song they debuted live before the album came out without singing right yeah without vocals yeah, yeah. plus justin's baseline reminds me of the baseline he wrote in you lied by peach oh really they covered it live in uh, nine, 98 1998 yeah, it's on uh soluble isn't it yeah both both bass lines are very similar. Of course, it's of... Justin playing, so. Right. What do you think of this one, Kenny? Descendant, descending. Yeah, it's a, it's um, definitely has some of that vibe, I think, um, from from Justin's bass lines, something that, that sort of, uh, I don't know, I guess kind of become a little bit of a signature, so to speak, since, uh, since his entrance into Tool. So it's a, uh, it's a good track. I mean, not, I uh, probably not my favorite one on the album, but um, no, it's like, it, it, they're all kind of like growers, not showers. You know, you kind of definitely have to listen to the album and like give it some time 
you know, because mm -hmm. they, they, you know, they're, they're long. Each song is like a journey, you know, so it's hard to take it all in and it kind of like over repeated listens sinks in and grooves a little bit harder. So that's kind of my feeling on that one. I think, I think, um, you know, they, the band kind of, I think feels that that way too, and talk that way about that, this album wanting to, wanting to have things be more patient, you know, which, uh, sometimes, you know, in our, in our world now, it's hard to be patient. That's all instant gratification. <laughs> yeah, man. We live in such a fast moving world that it's hard to, to have the kind of patience to, to sit and absorb, you know, slower yeah. moving things. It's funny you say that because I feel like I, you know, the whole vinyl experience of going through each album and especially this one, putting on all five records and changing them, and, you know, really interacting with it. And uh, I feel like I've gotten a lot more deeper into this album than just I did with even the CD or the streaming, you know, which is, I don't know, maybe it's a mental thing, but it's a whole vinyl interactive experience for me. Yeah. I kind of appreciated some of this more. Whereas I always yeah. like this album, but you know, you kind of, get a bit of a deeper appreciation maybe, or, you know, sitting, listening and. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's, that's part of the whole vinyl experience that you're, you're, you're interacting with it. Now things are so easy to just like click, you know, something on Spotify on and let it just like randomize and pick, here's some other similar artists you might like, and it'll just keep playing on the loop for you. You don't have to do anything. You just kind of forget it's there. Whereas this, this, you know, especially this for the five LP, you got to flip the record, <laughs> swap the record out every track or every two tracks, you know? So you got to be part of the experience. Yeah. It's a labor of love for any vinylists. Yeah. yeah I'm definitely not shitting on streaming. It's so convenient. Right. But yeah, you know, I mean, there's a reason why we are kind of so into this, the record experience. Um, the next track calling voices. What do you guys think of this one? This one debuted live. I didn't know this until after the fact, but uh, I guess it's a three guitar attack. Adam is playing the main riff, and then Justin and Danny play guitar on the intro with Adam. Really? Mm hmm. It was really revealed live at one of their shows where Danny and Justin are sitting and they're both playing, they're wielding guitars. I don't think we saw them do this. They did not play it. They did not play this one. Yeah. Until later in the second or third or fourth tour of this album. So we're letting the drummer play guitar now. Oh boy. He's going to have Dave Grohl syndrome. Yeah. Why not? Why not, man? Change it up. I will play some drums, you know. Oh gosh. I wrote down, there's more going on here musically than I once thought. I used to think, oh, this is just like the slow song in the middle. I completely forgot that there's a full band. The full band comes in at the end of this, which I realized today. Um, it's not a bad track. It's for me, yeah. the least memorable track for mm. me. I think that for me, Descendant or Descending is, I need to listen to it more maybe. I mean, we've had this album for years now. You'd think it would sink in a little more. Uh, maybe I just want it to be fresh. I don't know in my head, but uh, I do like this one. I'm not quite sure what Maynard's saying about here. I wouldn't dare to guess, but you know, it's a pretty good one. A little breather in the middle of the album. Yeah, I think it's kind of a little, little bit of a, uh, little bit of a chill, a little bit of a chill out, space out. You know, kind of in the midst of the rest of the the. Barrage. that's going on yeah. yeah uh chocolate chip trip what do you guys think of this one it's a fun segue yeah it's kind of cool i have to say like some of the some of the uh the bleeps and blips and like kind of background loop that goes on while he's doing the drumming like it can get a little bit annoying i'll say to be candid <laughs> the drumming is great but hearing that 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 loop of that like mechanical like you know, 
it just, yeah, I kind of, it, it, it does get a little bit grating on my ears, but if I can zone that out and just pay attention to the drums, it's cool to hear. It's cool to hear Danny just, uh, go off you know, ripping it. Yeah. So, uh, the drummer, Billy Cobham, sure you guys know of him. He was in Mod Vision Orchestra, played with Miles, all these different people. Pretty much a drumming virtuoso. Uh, this track kind of reminds me of some of his more experimental stuff, like stuff he did on the album Spectrum or on Crosswinds. Just kind of weird, rhythmic. It's got some other elements to it, you know, they're rhythmically driven, but along with the drumming. But uh, I think it's definitely in that kind of vein, kind of experimental and it's pretty cool. Enjoy it. I remember when I first heard this, uh, my old setup my, where I used to live, I had like surround sound and uh, just hearing all this, like kind of going around the room. I mean, it's not obviously not really mixed for surround sound, but I would kind of get that fake effect from having like a five, one system. And this was really, really interesting to hear. Like, you know, it's hypnotic for me. Yeah. I dig it. Like it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's basically just Danny going off, but you know, it's fun. Wasn't there a, wasn't there something you would mention before about the, about the name chocolate chip trip? chemo like was that uh like how how like why they called it chocolate chip trip or something i forget I... <laughs> maybe danny really likes trip. chocolate chip cookies <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i thought you had brought up some some little anecdote or something that had happened but I is that in our know. previous pod i don't think we've gotten to discuss uh, this on pods so i don't know mm. No, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'll have to look on the uh, magical uh, internets for that. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a, like a light moment, right? Like their stuff's always like so deep, the themes and like lyrics and stuff, and then to have chocolate chip trip. And they work a little humor in there, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, uh, that reminds me of another point. I'll bring up the la very last track, but um uh ten, seven pissed tempest seven empist seven empist <laughs> <laughs> the big oh. balls out obviously i wrote down obviously the most balls out song yeah um, i would say this is their version of ticks and leeches or hooker with a penis but mm. similar their angry track of the album totally i also wrote down more seven against three time in the opening that's what i counted out so Adam's doing something in seven. Danny's kind of trying to try and chop it up in threes. But of course, that also shifts. I was counting different stuff at different times. So it's like, again, just enjoy the ride. Don't try to count it. But uh, I was just curious what they were doing. And uh, again, seven's recurring. But uh, this is a pretty awesome track. I think it goes on a little too long, some parts, but it is enjoyable. 33 million plays on Spotify. And how long is it? It's like an 18 minute song. 15, 15, wow. 43 seconds. Yeah. Apparently uh, it peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot Rock Songs chart. Was it a single? I didn't know. <laughs> oh, it just I, when uh, they debuted, when they put the entire album up online, that was where it debuted. Hmm. Nice. Um, pretty angry lyrics here from Maynard. I wonder who it's directed at. I wonder if it's Orange Man Bad. I don't know. That's an easy, like, you know, guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Choose your own, choose your own liar to fill in there. Sure. And whoever he's yelling at. Yeah, if you <laughs> go back to, you know, some of their older lyrics like eulogy or, you know, anyone that like tries to give people easy answers or tries to delude people or control them. I mean, we'll touch on that again in this pod, but it's the most energetic, angry song of, for their age right and yeah. the most angsty song of the album longest song and longest solo yeah, yeah. and a number awesome. of, a number of uh like sort of critics and like uh online zines and music reviewers rated this as the best song of the album i mean it does kind of have it's like that shot of energy here at the end kind of like uh the song john b off 10,000 days or anything like that it's like some of their higher higher tempo driving when i hear it crank in like we hear that that nasty guitar at the beginning just you know makes you like mm. get pump, pumped up you know and like i don't know lift weights or something <laughs> shotgun a beer i don't know 
but uh no it's a you know with your fear binoculars with my beer binoculars. binoculars um we didn't get to hear this one live have they started playing this on the tour yet they did on right before the pandemic they played it or was it during the pandemic they had that one tour where they did play it in australia or new zealand or something like that I don't think tail end, tail time. end, tail end of the one of the tours, but they, I'm not sure if they could sail through 15 minutes easily, but I'm sure um, they could do it. Yeah, it, it's a long song. Yeah, Their longest by far. It's a good one. I do enjoy it. Kenny, My favorite of the album. This is yeah. your favorite. Yeah. Kenny, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely like, I definitely like the the heavy and aggressive aspects and moments of this track. So I, I think it's, it, it could be my favorite track of this album too. No, yeah. uh, I don't think anyone's favorite track here is "Mocking Beat," which is a little experimental thing that closes the album. <laughs> what do you guys think of that one? silence <laughs> yeah silence speaks volumes um it's an interesting I, one it's an odd ending but one thing yeah. i noticed was that uh they don't have any voice samples on this like in the old days like mess- message to harry man back or uh uh like the one that closes out lateralis you know like the area 51 thing is it fight the oyad or yeah is like that the- they, they didn't have any like found audio like weird passages but there's a little bit of that on here it's just it's kind of hard to hear it's kind of in the background but uh there wasn't as much stuff like that you know through the album i noticed you know on kind of mocking do... beat no just on the album on this whole album there weren't really any oh yeah yeah voice samples or anything but some no, of that bill hicks um, no bill hicks you were you were talking about some uh interesting conspiracy theories or well i don't know not necessarily conspiracies but weirdness and theories about meanings and stuff behind this whole concept of the album like what what are the, some of the stuff that you were uh that you were hearing about this um well you know i went down the rabbit hole on some of this today so the reddit you, hole yeah so you the listener <laughs> doesn't have to and uh where's this thing about the oh yes i didn't watch the video of course there's a whole video about like uh how the album kind of uh, either predicted or kind of telegraphed the COVID-19 pandemic, which happened soon after the release of this. I think this album came out in August 2019. Of course, it went into lockdown in March of 2020, blah, blah, blah. But uh, something about in the artwork, like that it's like, you know what? I don't even know because I didn't watch the damn video. Irony. I did watch it. And it was interesting. The I don't know how to, well... Describing that artwork on the CD case, on the C, yeah. not the case, but the CD itself, it looks kind of like the COVID, like the actual bug looking. Well, under the microscope, one, one with or? the eyeballs. It's the on the CD. It's just the eyes with like different patterns, uh, uh, sacred geometry kind of deal. Uh, yeah, it's just the triangles resemble some of the triangles on the covid yeah like the that, you know, diagram that they have I that think, they show on on the news and all that yeah right i think that stuff is in everything right i mean fractals nature is built on fractals mm-hmm. you know that math is that's it's it's in the way flowers different flowers have different petal structures and you know everything every, every living thing every living organism has this kind of sacred geometry in it so it it doesn't surprise me right that if you're using that as to make art that maybe there's going to be some similarities to something else Mm -hmm. like like a you know a virus you know or molecule under a microscope is going to have some of the same features characteristics but some of the lyrics lyrics for fear inoculum like exhale Mm -hmm. uh, calculate my steps like six away from yeah yeah, pointed that interesting. Out. Of course, Maynard himself, someone, I guess they asked him in interviews about this and he said all the th- fan theories were absurd. Yeah. But coincidence, man. I mean, 
there's a lot of people that have theories about synchronicities and coincidence, things like that. I mean, sometimes it happens, right? I mean, there, there's some sort of uh, energy in the human consciousness or whatever that seems to spread around the whole planet. You know, like you, you often will see like two inventors create the same thing at the same time on, you know, or working on it at the same time on different sides of the planet and stuff like that. Like there's wavelengths. There's just, there's just uh, those kind of synchronicities and things that happen. Irony. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something else I picked out of an interview with Maynard uh, that the fear and fear inoculum was the fear of like, he said, that's why uh, if I had to psychologically want to want it, I would say, yeah, that's why it took 13 years to write something because you're paranoid that it's not going to be the best that it can be. And you second guess every step that you make when it was probably good enough. I shouldn't say good enough. It was fantastic eight years ago. As if like them putting out the album was in the process of like expelling the fear kind of I mean, that's kind of what Maynard said after the fact when hmm. it came out yeah kind of interesting as far as the interesting as far as the conspiracy theory stuff like I'm sure there's more of that online I didn't go too deep into it don't uh, wanna, don't have the time yeah, I mean you know maybe one night when I'm like on an edible or something might be an interesting <laughs> read but even yeah. more interesting was this guy another reddit user's theory on the theme of seven which that was something Adam himself confirmed in a Guitar World interview, I think before the album came out, that the album was driven by sevens and the theme of sevens and seven tracks, not counting the uh, segues and, you know, the, the rhythms a lot in seven. But uh, this user talked about the seven chakras that channel energy. Which is, this is a pretty interesting read, and he really breaks down some of the time signature stuff too. And I guess there's a riff in Numa that's like in 33.8, pretty crazy. <laughs> if you want to count it out like that but uh that was a pretty interesting read did you get a chance to check out check that out can you hear no i didn't see uh i saw the stuff about uh, you know comparing it to covid and that whole thing mm. but i i didn't uh I, I didn't get deeper down the rabbit hole just yet <laughs> i have to just read it out really quick the seven chakras for the song fear inoculum the crown chakra or our connection to the universe numa the third eye chakra, invincible, the throat chakra, or mm. as in the lyrics, bellow aloud, bold and proud. Uh, descending the heart chakra or love, empathy, calling voices, the solar chakra, the voice from within. Chocolate chip trip, he attributes to the sexuality chakra, which you can't remember the name of. And uh, tempest, the root chakra, anchoring us before the torrent comes to rain all over from the lyrics. It's kind of interesting. The guy went a little deeper into it. It was a good read. But, uh, you know, Tool fans always go nuts and go deep on the meanings. Oh, because you got nothing else better to do. Well, I mean, you know, this band has always kind of been like that, right? <laughs> like people delve into the lyrics and the meanings and it's all mysterious. There's more here to bite into, I think, than your average band frequently. Yeah, and I, th and I think they kind of, they kind of relish that. that. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean... That's kind of one of the things that's been cool and interesting about them all these years, you know, mm -hmm. with Adam Adam's artwork and, you know, these metaphysical concepts and ideas and sacred geometry and not to mention all the subversive stuff in the lyrics and in the, you know, exactly. The audio yeah, and then, yeah. And, and wanting to leave things to people's imagination rather mm -hmm. than giving everybody the answers because everybody wants to know what's this be what's too about? easy, too right. easy. I, mean, <laughs> I think they're a challenging band and they challenge their listeners. I think their listeners mm -hmm. appreciate, appreciate that. I know I do. I've always kind of appreciated that. So it's pretty cool. I mean, what they do, they do it well. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, another Reddit, another Reddit fan says that to, that basically tool, uh, essentially hoses all the shit off your dusty ass brain, allowing you to think for yourself. I saw someone's comment. And saw that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what was the Timothy Leary uh, audio they used at the beginning of think Third for yourself and Salvo? Yeah. Think for yourself, question authority over and over, which is a pretty cool clip. Um, yeah. They always do something interesting. And I think they're getting away less, like I said earlier about the, from the found audio and just playing that stuff and just you know putting their stuff out there as it is like they don't need to dress it up anymore and like 
audio clips or like trippy stuff as much. It's just, they've kind of become trippy, you know, like they are. <laughs> a chocolate <laughs> did, chip trip. Yeah. Like what did Salvador Dali say? Like, you know, they asked him, do you do drugs and do his stuff? He's like, I am a drug. It's like, take me, you know, my art is a drug. It's kind of cool. Uh, I don't know if that's actually true. Someone told me that. Well, I mean, life, life is pretty weird with, even without the drugs, man. right? You know? Yeah. That's what ultimately what you realize, or maybe not. Some people realize it, but uh, we did want to get uh, opiate two in here. Squared. Discussed. Opiate squared. Is, uh, <laughs> what do you guys think of this? Then we're recording. Opiate do. Deuce. Do. Speculum. I, uh, I hadn't listened to this one until this morning. I actually, uh, had you not heard it? I no. I mean, I heard the original song, but no, I hadn't listened to the, the new the recording. Yeah. So Kima, why did they do this? Or do we know I think they recorded? I heard rumblings of them having record re-recorded this in 2017 or 18. Did you hear this? I haven't been following up on that. No, I haven't. Didn't they remaster sure. or re like re-release opiate the EP at some point? on cd and they re adam redid the art right right and they, it was a limited pressing of cds yeah and i think at that time maybe they had done this then maybe not i'm not sure maybe i'm not sure but they didn't release it at that mm. time this what, almost what could do you be, guys think about it well i was gonna say this almost could be the eighth track of fear inoculum in a way i mean just because it's stretched to like you know an absurd epic length but i do like it i think it's uh it's a good new version of it you can hear the age on the band a bit like they sound yeah. older and more weathered. Well, I feel like I, I listened to them back to back. So after I heard the new one, I was like, well, let me go back and listen to the old one again. And I feel like, I feel like some of the uh, edge and anger, like the vibe of the, like the lyrics and stuff that, that like uh, was in the original one. It made, it sounded almost poppy, like during the verses on the remake, like, like it, cleaned up the rough edges that took kind of the power away from the lyrics when I was listening to it. Like the playing and the music is clean and probably produced better than the original demo or the mm -hmm. original EP, you know, but First it's almost CD. like the vocals were too clean and it just didn't have that. It didn't have the same mood as the original one. Where it's hard to I like listening yeah. to it. I kind of like the first one, the original better. Yeah. Obviously like, you know, there were, those early days they were hungry you know new band they were a starving band yeah yeah angry like you know but to me where this one and like what you said kenny it's a little more polished a little more i thought it was very digital sounding a bit when i first heard it um of course thematically or like lyrically stuff's like probably more relevant than ever now like with things like the way people consume and look for easy answers and kind of get used and abused by you know latest false idols right i mean it's more relevant possibly than ever yeah what he's saying about what 25 30 years ago is you know, 30 years ago relevant. yeah well you know what what creeps into my head when i was listening to it is something that kind of sucks about where we're at culturally right now like i'm all for people being tolerant and getting along right that like there's this you know anti anti-bullying you know we have a bit of this like overly politically correct cultural environment that's going on where like you know some of his lyrics like when he screams you know like i want to rape you like i it can't help but like cream it creep into my thoughts like if somebody not tool released this as like a track on their first album that like people would be all over them you know like some some people are so sensitive that you can't you know, you, you can't use that term, even if you're trying to make a point, you know, artistically or something, you know, kind of make, makes me think about a certain part of our culture now. That's a little bit sad. Just overly sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of their humor is pretty, you know, I'm, I'm not sure they can get away with some of that now or they could, but they might get shit for it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But You know, it's different times in some ways, but Adam, we were having a conversation about how this could be speculative. The last song to be re-recorded comes full, perfect circle, uh, to possibly end tool, but they could 
continue touring, but maybe end their recording. Because I, I think why. they're they're they done. Do that, they're yeah. done with their contract, I believe. Weren't they their right contract? This is their last album contract. Mm. I don't know if they'll renew it with uh, Volcano or Zoo or whatever it is, but or BMG or Sony. Are they on? Or, Sony? Yeah, I thought it was Sony RCA. Yeah. Is BMG got swallowed up by RCA and then RCA mm. was bought out by Sony, Sony, I think. What do you think of that, Kenny? You think this is the last last hurrah, them going back full circle recording early 30 song? years ago? Uh, you know, it's it's possible. I mean, I don't know. Musically, I don't know exactly where they go from here, but you know, it's it's a tough thing for people and bands that have become an entity, right? It's not, it's not just a creative project; it's a business now. And like you have people in the band living different parts of the country and in different states and things like that. I'm seeing this with like many other bands where it's not the same as like when a band is like kind of young and coming up and they're all live, living together spending all this time together like their lives are intertwined and like riding in the same of, van yeah like everybody's grown apart and has their families and their other life outside of the band and it can be hard to rein that in and get everybody together to create music like the way they used to um go ahead chemo i have a point to make i have to note that adam does the awesomest pick scrape at the end of this song. Mm. Adam does a lot of cool stuff in this one. I do appreciate <laughs> it. Um, if we're anything, if we're going by their forebears, and by that I mean a band that I know they appreciate, King Crimson. You know, how far can you take that crazy progressive sound? You know, in one of their last albums, Chemo, you know it, "The Power to Believe," came out in two thousand three, and. Fear Inoculum reminds me quite a bit of that album at some point, especially some of the Segway stuff and the key, keyboard stuff they did. And hmm. um, you know, I hope it's not the end of Tool. Uh, if it is, they've got a hell of a body of work. It does take them a long time sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. The one another... thing we haven't we haven't seen yet is like the uh, Tool with like the LA Philharmonic or you know <laughs> something like that. Was it Metallica S and M? Tool S and M. They would put their own spin on that, but yeah, I just I don't feel like they're ready for that kind of self-parody. But uh, you know, it could be cool, right? Maybe maybe if like Tool get together with Danny Elfman, mm. do like some crazy out there symphonic thing, that'd be rad, but probably probably not gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, I would love to see them do something like the wall, like a full multimedia. That's something they could spend 13 years on, right? Like a movie, a film, you know, a record all the artwork all tied in, you know, something like the wall. I think there was probably talk of that at one time, maybe of them doing that, but who knows? But, uh, you know, I hope it doesn't take them another 13 years to make a record, but you know, if there's more coming from them, I want definitely want to hear it. Uh, if this is the last we hear of them, it's a good stopping point. I think I hope it's not the end. I hope yeah, it's, it does. I hope it's not the end either. I just hope they, they can speed up the process of writing. <laughs> yeah. One thing I sent you guys, I don't know if you had a chance to look, was this article in the Atlantic from when, after the album came out and writer, you know, was a fan of them in the back in the day, much like us and kind of muses on like their place as a band now. And kind of some of the stuff we had already talked about, it was a good read, but uh, you know, how they've evolved from like the angry in your face type band of old to like the spiritual kind of, you know, I don't know. It was interesting. Like, where does Tool belong now in the, the scheme of things? I mean, we're yeah. I'm glad they're they are here, and you know, what their place is, I don't know. But they kind of occupy their own place, they're kind of their own beast now. I did skim through that that article, and there's there's a sentence sentiment that the author makes, uh, like towards the end of like summing things up, saying you know how basically like all, all of the classic ingredients of the band are here and, and even more ambitiously deployed than before. But I don't get that old tool feeling of having some secret of the universe unveiled. Hmm. And, I you know, means, like, I think, I think it, you know, sometimes there, there is that like certain bands like them, they had, 
they're, they had this sense of mystery and wonder and certain things where, right, the, the dark, deep things, uh, themes that made people think or like actually go and look up something, right? Because they're like, what the hell was he talking about? Like, I want to mm-hmm. figure this out, right? Like it was like almost like, you know, uh, like, you know, Freemasonry or something, like you're being initiated into something. But like, maybe it's like now you have that feeling like, well, I guess we've already been initiated. So it's not, it's right. not quite as exciting anymore. We've know? been inoculated. <laughs> I mean, I think that's just something, maybe it's unfortunate, right? That and it just happens like with the advance of humanity and technology, we're, we're exposed to so much. It's hard to get knocked over the head where something just, you know, takes you somewhere else, you know? Well, plus how do you maintain that mystique? I mean, I think for a long time, Tool had this very, and to evoke another band, Pink Floydian kind of, you know, mysterious quality, you know, like they weren't really selling the stuff based on their looks and, you know, they were just these like weird guys and it was all very art driven and, you know, concepts. And uh, this is like what their fifth, fifth studio album now. And uh, it's kind of hard to maintain that sense of mystery and wonder kind of like what you're talking about, Kenny. But again, like there's plenty of stuff in this album that got us, got me looking up stuff today and like going down the rabbit hole all over again. So, but yeah, like the, what the author said, I don't feel like it's some kind of mystical, like, you know, riddle I'm trying to solve or answer, but it's more just kind of like, you know, I'm still intrigued by them, you know? So I think that's enough yeah. for me. But I think uh, there is like a certain sort of like end of the innocence, right. Of, of like, you know, obviously the three of us are all like pretty heavily grounded in the nineties, the music world, like a lot of awesome, amazing music created in that decade. And the early nineties was still pre-internet. I mean, the internet existed, but we didn't all have it and the world wasn't available on it, you know? And so you just didn't have the exposure. It wasn't easy to get exposed to so much as what we can now. It's like, everything's at your fingertips now. Mm -hmm. Access, easy access. So, yeah, I mean, and so like when you see something really new or hear something really new back then, it, you know, it was awesome. It would kind of blow you away because, you know, you, you can't, you couldn't just easily find this stuff. Whereas now you could be overwhelmed. There's just so much to find everywhere. Everywhere, you whole everywhere you look wiki or wikipedia page on it too that you can you know you're an instant expert on everything right yeah so it, sometimes it, i think it can you know we can sort of take it for granted right and it can be hard to have somebody really shake us up and make us think in a new way or see something or hear something different well, when someone harp, does it's awesome not to harp on it's not articleism the show but not to harp on this article too much but author kind of talks about something Maynard talked about in the past about, you know, overstimulation and kind of like in stink fist, some of the other song lyrics that, you know, desensitized and especially now completely overstimulated all this information and, you know, stimula and just all this stuff in our faces 24 seven. It's just, you have to unplug. Imagine being a young kid nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Just having your brain filled with that. I mean, it's, you know, we didn't grow up with that necessarily, but you know, Maybe we did it in certain other ways. I don't know. It's interesting. It's uh, yeah. You know, things change some ways. You know, like techno technologically. So, getting off into kind of a weird tangent here at the end, but uh, I did want to talk about <laughs> the place of Tool nowadays. I think they still have a place and definitely a fan base. So, I'll always check out what they do. I know that much. Yeah, I mean, it's anyone's guess. Just yeah. sort of like when something, when they do a release any new music or you know what what happens from here yeah i mean they're they're still playing shows and touring and stuff so yeah still active yeah and we can't really say they're a legacy act just relying on the old shit either which kind of like what we talked about with failure uh you know you're still uh creatively creatively making music and they're still vital in some ways so Kimo, can you say anything about the 5LP versus the 3LP edition that came out here very recently? I'll say that it's just a tad bit quieter than the 5LP. I'd heard that online. I wonder what that is. Maybe how they fit it onto the five sides. I think so, yeah. has to do with the mastering. I'm not sure. And then side six has a different etching than the others. 
than the five anything it the does it's it's actually more prevalent or prominent than the other etchings on the five disc set it's a lot a cooler it's, yeah. it's nice it was kind of interesting too when you showed the the package to us the uh, the other day that uh it's got like a lighter color like the 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 five lps got like kind of the classic tool like dark you know dark black blues. and blues and kind of similar colors we've seen from tool whereas the, that one was more like a i don't like a sunburst or something like a gold yellow yeah yeah pretty cool i kind of want it i don't know should i triple dip <laughs> Seven be, a tough, dip. <laughs> be a lot less stuff to turn over <laughs> we'll just be lazier but uh I may have to listen to yours, Chemo, see how I like it. Come on over. Yeah. But uh tool, fear inoculum. I'm glad we finally got to do something on this. It's uh maybe I had a little time to digest and live at the music a bit and over time. And man, it's pretty crazy going just again, going back to us talking before this album came out and everything since then. It's been pretty nuts. But uh yeah, these last couple couple of years have been a pretty topsy-turvy ride yeah i think the wait was worth it though i may not have turned out how everyone expected but i think it's a good album true so that check it out this band you may have heard of tool with fear inoculum any final thoughts file under easy tool listening you think it's a little lighter <laughs> some of the other stuff for me it know? is just yeah. just me yeah it's my least favorite album out of their repertoire i know what you're saying i think yeah. but i do it's enjoy just, it it's uh it comes back to that same kind of thing for me where it's it's great music but it's almost more like ambient music like i could easily put it on and just let it play and i'm not really paying attention to which song is on or what maynard singing or anything it doesn't hit you in the face like the others older stuff where it was shorter songs and the chorus hooks and mm -hmm. things were, were there so it's great stuff but it's almost like that where i could just kind of like put it on and let it let it spin while i'm doing you know something else around the house stretching sweeping you know house cleaning hanging out whatever you know, just kind of let it roll jujitsu <laughs> stink um, fist i'm always complaining that well it's not a complaint it's more of a thought that i'd love to see them go back to the shorter punchier songs but they're not going to do that now everything they do is epic it's fine um i guess the closest thing to that was some of the stuff on Ten Thousand days which i seem to appreciate more and more over time i'm sure i'll appreciate this one more and more over time too but i do like it um but yeah it's uh like everything they do now is epic and long and uh, it demands a lot, I think, out of the listener, but it's pretty rewarding, all in all. So, uh, what more can I say? That's it. I think I've said enough. Yeah, I think we come to the end of this journey. Yeah. 